Welcome to the First Pres Podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you'd like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.20, 9.45, and 11.10. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. And let's open together to Psalm 86 this morning. Psalm 86. And as you open your Bibles, let me pray for us, Lord. We open our Bibles with hopeful expectation that you would send your Holy Spirit to open our minds to hear your word, to open our hearts to know your presence, to open up our will that we may want what you want and be transformed in Jesus' name. In his name we pray, amen. Psalm 86, hear now the word of the Lord. Hear me, Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Guard my life, for I am faithful to you. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, Lord, for I put my trust in you. You, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call on you. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. When I am in distress, I call to you because you answer me. Among the gods, there is none like you, Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord, they will bring glory to your name for you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone Our God, teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever, for great is your love toward me. You have delivered me from the depths, from the realm of the dead. Arrogant foes are attacking me, O God. Ruthless people are trying to kill me. They have no regard for you. But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Turn to me and have mercy on me. Show your strength in behalf of your servants. Save me, because I serve you just as my mother did. Give me a sign of your goodness that my enemies may see it and be put to shame. For you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. These things I pray, supplication. Have the Christmas lists come out yet? We've got a birthday list and a few Christmas lists already circulating at my house. I remember when my son Jack was eight or nine years old and he was putting together his Christmas list for Santa and I said to him, Jack, you know, you don't have to write it out like that anymore. There's a website now, Santa has really modernized. And we can go to the website and you can just type it in, whatever you want, and, and it'll get there to the North Pole. And Jack thought about that for a minute and he said, yeah, but Dad, How will I know that he gets it? And then he thought some more and and he asked, Dad, which does Santa prefer, email or a written note? (laughs) You know, he wanted to know how these things are processed up there so that he would be sure, at least try to do his best to ensure that the top requests were answered, right? 
So I told him, you know, what I knew about the operations at the North Pole, which wasn't much. And Jack decided that he figured on Santa being an old-fashioned guy. We put the letter in the mail. (laughs) How will I know if he hears me? And how can I know what he will answer? We're in our series on prayer, and today, remember, we're switching the last two parts of our acronym, A-C-T-S, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, Supplication. We want to have Thanksgiving next week because it's our great annual Thanksgiving service. So today, we talk about supplication, which is an odd word. That's not a word that we use outside of the church, really. It's almost finished. And honestly, we probably would be done with the word entirely if we didn't need it for our acronym, ACTS. <laughs> but this is the part of our prayer life where we lay our requests before the Lord. I said early on that prayer is not about laying our list of demands before God as though God were our divine butler. But this is the part of our prayer life where we lay our lists before the Lord as if God were our divine butler. Knowing God in adoration, knowing who we are in confession, giving thanks and praise to God, as we'll talk about next week. We now open our hearts up and we say, Lord, these are the things that we want. These are our heartfelt desires, and we ask him to respond. A supplicant is one who expresses needs and appeals for mercy before a powerful benefactor. A supplicant doesn't come in proud. They come in with their hat in their hand and they ask for help. We put our needs and the needs of others before the Lord. And God wants us to express our needs. He delights to hear what's in our heart, what we want. And somehow, in some mysterious way, God has chosen to include us in his work. No, God will never be submitted to our mastery or lordship. God is not our divine butler in heaven. But the mysteries of God dictate that our prayers somehow, some way, make a difference. There is power in prayer. Psalm 86 is a prayer of supplication. David makes his requests known before the Lord, and he begins with that most honest of cries. Will he hear me, and will he respond? Hear me, Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. This is the honest cry of the heart. Hear me, Lord. Hear me. Can God hear us? Will he listen? We need to know that he can. We need to know that he will. There's a saying in leadership circles that I think is true, that people need to have their say even when they can't have their way. Right? How true is that? And we need to know that the Lord will hear us. Will you hear me, Lord? Will you answer me? 
And not only hear me, but move. Will you intervene? Will you answer my prayer? See, there's a time to plead with the Lord, to wrestle in prayer with the Lord. Hear me, Lord, and answer me. For I am poor and needy. And isn't that an interesting thing for King David to say? We don't know when he wrote this psalm. Maybe he was out in the wilderness getting chased uh, by enemies, but maybe he was in the palace ruling over the, the nation. Either way, the phrase is just as true. Before the Lord, we are all, every one of us, poor and needy. The psalm continues into open and honest requests. God delights in our open hearts before him. Can you hear David's appeals in this psalm as you just scan down and, and see what he's asking? Oh Lord, guard my life, he says. Bring joy to your servant. Have mercy on me. Teach me your way. Turn to me. Give me a sign of your goodness. Show your strength and save me. The psalm teaches us to simply open our hearts up before the Lord. He already knows what we want and the Spirit inter intercedes for us with prayers that are beyond language, but the Lord delights to hear us express the desires of our heart, to say openly and without embarrassment before the Lord, this is what I want, this is what I need. See, it's better to show the Lord your heart in open prayer. Better to do that than to come to the Lord with pretend noble desires. C.S. Lewis said, it is no use to ask God with factitious earnestness for A, when our whole mind is in reality filled with desire for B, we must lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. Open your heart and make the appeal. Honestly, that's where we start. Now David's confidence in prayer is in the character of God. He says, you, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call on you. Among the gods, there's none like you, Lord. Where else would I turn? No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name, for you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. See, David is not the hero. God is the hero. God is the one that we worship and adore. When we pray, we must recognize that the whole affair is dependent on God. And we can trust God. We can trust God with our innermost desires and longings, our needs, our wants, because we know that God is real. This is not some lonely, solitary exercise of wish fulfillment in a dark room. No, God is real. God is there, and God actually hears. We can pray to God because God is real. And we can trust him with our desires because God is good. God is abounding in steadfast love. He will neither give us what we request if it is bad for us, nor will he refrain from bringing his blessings into our lives in due course. 
Sometimes that's the hard part to believe. But we can pray for strength even to believe that, that God will bring good to our lives. David prayed for an undivided heart so that he could pray believing. Verses 11 and 12, teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Not on what I'm doing, but on what you're doing, Lord. Give me an undivided heart that I may reverence, that I may fear, that I may honor your name. Lord, don't let me come into my prayer life with a divided mind, with a divided heart, with double-minded motivations and no confidence in you. Lord, give me an undivided heart so that I may pray believing. We want to pray believing. David did. He said, I will praise you, the Lord my God. So will he hear and will he answer? Yes, the Lord hears us when we pray. Yes, the Lord hears us when we call out to him. What he answers is up to him. We all want so desperately to know how to pray, how to properly submit our requests. Does he prefer a written letter or an email? I'd like to know. I'd like to, to guarantee or at least raise the odds that, that our, my request will be carried out by God's hand. But there's no such guarantee. Some prayers are answered and granted right away. I hope you've experienced that. But others, I've known friends to keep prayer journals, to, to write down and keep their prayers in a journal so they don't lose track of what they're praying for. And I had a friend one time open her prayer journal to me and let me see, and I could see page after page, one column, the prayer that she had been praying, and then the other column, how God had answered. And there were so many prayers to give thanks for. But then there were some they were crossed out. And I said, what about those? And she said, those I don't pray for anymore. God can move and answer prayers. He can move in strength. We've all had times where we've seen God move, but we've also had times where we have not seen our prayers answered. And I know how painful that can be. Every failed business, every, every divorce, every sick child, every, every grave, isn't it, ultimately, a witness to the reality that not all petitions are granted. But we must still remember that God has been good in the past. We must believe that God is good today, and we must trust and have faith that his promises are true for the future. Amen? It might be more about the process than the results. Tim Keller in his book on prayer teaches it's best to think of prayer as a process, a process in which our will is submitted to the divine will. See, the prayer is thy will be done, not my will be done. And maybe prayer is a process 
We pray our heart's desires openly and honestly. We appeal to God that these things would happen. But as we do so, we are simultaneously aware that God will not answer or do or intervene or perform contrary to his own will. So when we open our desires before the Lord, we're actually asking God to look over our desires and remove or change or alter the things that we desire that are not good or that are not what we think they are or that are not in accord with his will, that are not a part of thy kingdom come. So then you look at your prayers of supplication, not so much as a laundry list or a to-do list, but as an indicator of the state of your heart, you see. You say, Lord, here, look. These are the things I want. This is what my heart wants. This is what I feel I need. Lord, this is what's inside my heart. And you lay it before the Lord as an indicator and you say, Lord, Please, give me holy desires. That changes what we're doing entirely when we think about it that way, doesn't it? We're not trying to corner God into executing our will, but we are asking God to respond to our prayers in a way that will submit our will to his will and make us more and more into the likeness of Jesus. J.I. Packer, another great scholar, thought the same way about prayer. And if you follow me here, he taught that we can accelerate this process of transformation by doing three things in particular. The first is, he said, when you put your list before the Lord, don't just give him your list, but argue why you think those things are good. And why you're asking them according to what you understand God to be and what you understand his will to be. So we find that in the Psalms throughout. David says things like in this Psalm, but you, Lord, are compassionate and gracious, God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. That's why I'm asking for you to deliver me because I understand you to be this type of God. Do you see? When you go through that exercise, you actually learn a little bit more about who God is. And that's what we need anyway. Number two, J.I. Packer says to acknowledge in prayer that if God does not grant what we request, we will still trust him. We'll offer our requests, our heartfelt desires, and, but we'll say, Lord, I know that if you don't grant this, you have better intended for me, better intended for me than what I've thought up for myself. And third, We remember, as we express our deepest longings and desires, we remember that what we want, what we need, is God himself and not what he can do for us. We need Jesus. Tim Keller writes, we know as we pray for good things that we have already have the ultimate good thing. In God himself, we have the headwaters and source of all we desire. It isn't easy, 
And I feel that we've only scratched the surface on how to pray, how to intercede, how to ask for the Lord to move in our lives or in the lives of others. There's so much to say. There's such great power in prayer. We know it to be true. But there's no secret incantation to get God to jump and do what we want. No, prayer is not a commercial transaction with God. It's a process by which we grow more and more deep in trust and in love and in faith in our relationship with God. I don't know where I got this, uh, this illustration. I really don't. If someone knows, you can tell me later. But this is how I think about prayer. Imagine a father and a son walking down the beach and the son is picking up things and collecting them and eventually the father says, son, show me what you found there. And the son is a little bit reluctant to do it. He knows he's found some things that are good, some things that are not so good. But he opens his hand up and shows his father. And sure enough, there are some beautiful things in there, a beautiful shell, a beautiful stone, but there's also some junk in there, broken piece of glass, a rotting kind of piece of crab. (laughs) And the father takes those things and plucks them out. And the son, he's kind of sad to see those things go and he's a little regretful that he's shown the father his collection. But the father has also been collecting. And the father places in his palm a gold coin. It's my story, I can have anything happen that I want. But that's how I think about prayer. We open our requests to God the Father in heaven, God the Father of lights from whom all good gifts come. We open up our hearts and we say, Lord, here are the things that we want. And we lift them up to the Lord with open hands and we allow him to do the sorting, knowing that when there's a yes, it's a good yes. And that when there's a no, we trust and believe that God can put his best gifts in an empty palm. Lord our God, there are so many concerns, so many things that weigh on our hearts. We pray that you would help us to pray with trust, believing that you are good, that you are good today, that you have been good in the past, and that you will be good to us in the future. Lord, help us to pray with confidence and to open our hearts with faith In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at first-prez.org.